0: Hello and welcome to Final Show Films. I'm the executive producer here, John Bates, uh, and I've got a few pre show notes for you. First of all, I'd like to thank our $25 tier supporters, Antitonic, Cat Water Flame, Samantha Bates, and Maureen Monty, without whom we wouldn't be able do much, uh, especially not all the content that we put forward now. I also want to thank all the people that have joined on with us since the, I would say, successful uh, experiment that was Midsummer Night's Dream. If you're interested in that, go check out our YouTube channel, where youtubecom Sensaku, where we performed the world's first, as far as we're aware, live stream production of a community theater uh, performance of A Midsummer Night's Dream. That sounds like a lot of qualifiers. It's more just because that's the way I talk. Please go enjoy them, give us feedback, let us know if you'd like to see more of that in the future. If you'd like to support us financially, you can do so on our Patreon page at patreon.com fsfilms. You can also follow us on Twitter at Final Show Films or follow me personally at John A. Bates for all future updates and live notifications for our live stream. In the meantime, sit back, relax, Enjoy. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Critical Thinking, episode 38, Magician's Nostalgia. John at Johnny Bates on Twitter. I'm joined today by Jack.
1: Hey, everybody. I'm Jack. I'm at Alt F4 Gamers on Twitter, and it's actually called a musician's nostalgia. What did I say? Magician.
0: Close enough. And Jeremy. Okay.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Hello, I'm Jeremy. I am at JThomas411Mania on Twitter. And I will try not to mis- miss say any... Oh, let's be Stop. honest. I'm gonna do it. We're, we're we're
1: all gonna shit all over the English language. It'll be great.
0: That's <laughs> what we do on a regular basis. That's sort of the premise of this podcast.
2: That really should be the subtitle.
0: <laughs> we should all Critical
2: do. thinking. Shitting on the English language. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's a big target. Anyways. Um, so
2: It had it coming.
0: Before we get started, I just want to uh, uh, make a couple of announcements regarding the content of Podcast. Uh, moving forward, we've we we we've, we've used the past thirty-seven episodes, uh, to sort of establish what kind of a feel we want this podcast to have, which is sort of the the growing pains of any podcast. As uh, I, we've sort of come to the decision, both both through our own personal tastes and necessity of materials, um, that from here on out we're gonna try. Tried. It might not stick, but we're 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 trying to make these a little less about summarizing what we've watched, uh, you watched, etc., uh, and more about, um, what's the word I'm looking for, you two? The
2: analysis. The or, the, yes, the, the discussion. It's the breakdown. Uh, the narrative.
0: Then. Or discussing. Implications. Yeah. Gurgitated.
2: Commentary.
0: Yes, commentary. Um. So, we will still talk about the events of the pod of the podcast of the show. <laughs> <laughs>
2: we will talk about what we talked about last episode
1: yes again
0: we'll start we'll go we'll work on recursive analysis and uh, <laughs> um
1: wait till we get to critical critical thinking <laughs> wherein we re-listen to all of the episodes that we've recorded and then talk about the narrative causality of those recordings talking about other recordings
0: yeah that'll be fun that'll be our april fool's day joke anyways um but uh uh, but yeah, we're gonna go talk lean more on the analysis and more on the the uh, 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 deconstruction of the thing that we've enjoyed, as opposed to the simple regurgitation of it. Yeah,
2: I mean, uh, there. If that is literally all your interest, in which I, if you stuck with us for this long, I don't think that's the case.
0: Yeah, no, <laughs> but... We're not. We're not good at it. <laughs>
3: But
2: uh, there are a bunch of podcasts out there, and they're all very good. Mm -hmm. That dive that 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 basically discuss what what happened during this show in a more recap format. And frankly, they're more caught up than we are because they got this idea before we did.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Fair.
2: Fair. Did they?
0: Are you sure? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah. What is it? Criti- Not, critical critical re Yeah, critical Reroll, David. Yeah, critical a reroll Great we really, we,
2: we podcast. We were on it Love for like guys. two seconds. Yeah, we were. Yeah, yes, we were
0: because yeah, we, yes, we, we were we were we, we met them all at, uh, at at Wizard World Wizard World Wizard as they were wrapping the yeah. podcast.
2: Yep. Um, but yeah, we that's never really been I think what we wanted to do specifically because that would just be jumping on what other people do. Yeah. Um. Uh. So yeah, you know. Looking at it differently and trying to get a little
0: further into it. Okay. Yeah, so we may, we're, 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 we're probably going to condense some stuff that we would have otherwise spent a lot of time talking about. We're going to analyze a little bit more, we'll talk, talk more about our analysis a little bit more and more about the narrative and cultural repercussions of what it is. And this is a pretty good episode to start that on because, well, we'll get, we'll get into that. Uh, yeah. So, previously on Critical Role, there was a holiday episode. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: oh!
0: <laughs> I'm still going
2: to do my
1: really shitty previously-ons. Uh, yay, but, but, you know, you, you need a little more contempt. There was, there was not yeah, nearly it, enough contempt does, there. So.
2: I didn't feel that <laughs> abject loathing deep within your soul. <laughs> I was going to
1: say, I, could, I couldn't taste
0: the bile okay, rising let, in the let, back let, of your let, throat. Let me try it again. Let's, Let's try, try again. this again. Let's try it again. Uh, take two. Previous on critical role.
2: There was a holiday episode. Uh...
1: Now we're getting there. Okay, keep going.
2: Good. Hmm. F- a concept so <laughs> abhorrent to John <laughs> that he becomes... A um uh a uh, uh, fucking whatever you're that character a of Primal Zerg,
1: yes. yes. Primal Zerg
3: yeah.
1: <laughs> Oh Fang, how we miss thee.
0: Uh Miss
2: Fang don't miss the system Fang was in. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't even mention that to without crashing that system.
0: <laughs> Anyway, it was kind of shitty. So, once we got past the holiday episode, <laughs> um the group <laughs> spends, <laughs> spends a little bit of time in Whitestone talking about how what their what, what their plans are next. They so bring up a couple of options that they're going to go forward with. Uh, I think uh, they want to talk they want to try to find uh, Risco Daxio, not Risco Daxio. Um that's elsewhere. Um fuck, what's his name? The the archmage from Western. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, um... Old (laughs) fuckface. Old Old magic fuckface. To go a
2: little bit behind the scenes on what we do here, we decided that we were gonna do more analysis and let's recap literally five minutes before we
0: started (laughs) recording. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
1: (laughs) I mean, it happens.
0: Fuck it, we'll do it live! (laughs) I mean, come on. Uh, I... they, they talk about bringing Allura, uh, Alora in to look at yep. the out. They talk about bringing in a few other people, including... Not Riscal Daxio, but it's a person whose name is very close to that, or at least is very close to that in my brain. Eskel Randarian. That one, Eskel Rindarian. Eskel Riskel, I feel like I'm excused there. <laughs> anyway. <Anyways. laughs> Uh, Escorendarian, yes. They, they talk about bringing uh, him in. Who's the Who's an archmage uh, out of Western? Uh, yes. Uh, bringing in them and anybody else really that they can get their hands on to come and study the ziggurat underneath, underneath the castle. And they remember that for about five minutes before they start. As talking. this group does. <laughs> as this group of hamsters as do. As most groups do. <laughs> it's fair, as, but this group is particularly hamsterish. Um, and then, and then go into uh, 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 Percy's gun, talking about Percy's guns and weaponry, talking about the treasury keep, and a lot of boring and uninter- uninteresting stuff that we're not really going to talk about because it's it's literally just the beginning of the game. Fuck about that. Mm-hmm. Lots of that. Lots of groups have. Yeah. Um, lots of TV. Another uh, thing about it. Lots of lots of narratives have that too. The sort of the the the. Pre rising action, nothing really matters. Segment.
1: Uh, right. The hey, look at all these people that we've made putter about a bit, people, so that people can understand who you are.
0: Yeah, the get to know, they get to know the crew portion. Uh, Team Fortress did this in the Meet the X series. These series, which of, is
1: some of my favorite. Oh
0: yeah, some of the best character content.
1: Inter- In terms of condensed character introduction, some of the best visual storytelling and, and, and brief, but just highly concentrated character that you will find in, yeah. in digital media. And,
0: and the whole purpose is if, just to introduce you to these characters, give you a little bit of backstory, none of which is going to matter in the long run, because in Team, Fortress 2, in Team Fortress 2, the game, the mechanics tell nothing, tell no real story. So... Um, And that that sort of concept gets repeated quite a lot throughout many media. Um, this is that this is the tabletop form. It's the first thirty minutes to an hour of just fucking around, trying to remember what the hell you did last time. Eventually, the group gets back to Amun. They find Pike while they're fucking about in Graceful Keep, remembering the prisoner that they've left there for throughout the entirety of this arc. Hey, um, continuity! Yeah. Uh, they run into curious piloted plant. I should note, again, because I forgot to do it earlier because I had an announcement, but this episode is starring Laura Bailey as Vexalia, Towson Jaffe as Percy, Allison, Ashley Johnson as Pike, Liam O'Brien as Vaxodon, Mercer as Keelith, Sam Regal as Kaelin, Travis, William Frog, and Matthew Mercer as the Dungeon Master, notably Orion Akaba. Uh. I say because we're at the Tiberius part. Yep, yep. We're at the Tiberius part. Who wants to take it away? All
3: right. So
2: this is a thing that, uh, and we kind of talked before about you know how 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 much to address this, but so I'm not going to get into the details. If you know much about the details, you know what the situation is. But Oriana Kaba is a Particularly, let's just be 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 generous and say he is a very polarizing person within uh, w- w- within critical role fandom and within fandom in general and has been accused of doing some fairly shitty things of which there is a lot of evidence that that that's the fact and so, uh, I, I think there's another aspect of this we're going to talk about, but the part that I was interested in talking about, because it is a common issue at this point, um, uh, in, in terms of media consumption, is how do you reconcile or how do you consume things that you enjoy when there are people who, behind the scenes or or in front of the camera, um, or, or writing it or whatever, who are problematic um, or who are have been accused of or have done uh, uh, terrible things or just generally shitty people and it's an interesting it, to me it's a really interesting discussion because there's a lot of obviously there's a lot of emotional reaction that tends tends to go on uh, uh, regarding it there are, as uh, as we speak, it's an ongoing thing uh, that's been going on for the better part of a year now in terms of uh, sexual harassment and things like that. But it goes far, far earlier than, than that, uh, whether you're talking about, you know, uh, there are many p- people who are fans of Firefly who have serious issues with Adam Baldwin, who plays Jane for some of the... Ways Original
1: GamerGate did. shit,
2: yeah, yeah, GamerGate shit, and and, more. and doxing people mm-hmm. and yeah. and things like that, or all the way back to, you know, Tom Cruise, for for his involvement in Scientology, which is a controversial faith to say the least. Uh, Roman Polanski, I think, is the classic example. Uh Um, Of course, at this point, if you go back further, seeing things from the 30s, 40s, and 50s in terms of film through a a, a more modern outlook, it all—you realize that just about everybody in Hollywood was shitty at that point. Dear God, we made some racist shit in this country. Everybody, yes.
3: Uh, and, and, Um, and, And
0: not even necessarily just racism. No. Mm-hmm. Easy. As a really, I say, easy. you know, very, sort of a, this person is racist, therefore don't support whatever. Um, people like Stanley Kubrick, who mm-hmm. wasn't, I don't, at least I don't think was overtly racist or any of the traditional things, but was no. just really mentally abusive to his actors and employees. To his actors and actors, uh, yes.
2: Um, yeah. I've, how do you, how do people enjoyed John Wayne films when they realized that he was one of the main supporters of the Hollywood blacklist.
3: Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: You know, that sort of thing. Um, and to me, I, I I don't know about you guys. Me personally, I very much subscribe in terms of that sort of thing to Death of the Author in terms of... There are a lot of aspects to that theory. and And, and things that... I don't think uh, I don't think are necessarily relevant to this conversation about authorial intent and things like that. But in specifically, I'm talking about just simply separating the separating the artist from the art. You kind of have
3: to if you or
1: or even if you're you're not capable of that, because I think I am less capable of that in Mm. certain areas. But looking at it and saying, all right, look, this is a work. This is a uh, this is a creation, a creative work that has problematic aspects to it, just like pretty much everything else on the fucking planet. I can enjoy this as an individual aware of its faults, its flaws, both in the production of the work, in the personal lives of the people doing it. and But I can see the value in this creation because it shows us, what type of people we are capable of being in the same way that i think you know that that i would not consider the time i spent reading mein kampf wasted despite the fact that it's written by fucking hitler but you know there there's there's the there's the the value of looking into the work and exploring the mind of a flawed or even a, a horrifically evilly characterized individual as someone who's interested in the broad spectrum of the human condition.
0: No, I, I just want to jump in here and make clear that there's nothing wrong with not being able to watch that kind of... No, now, no. absolutely not. Uh, and particularly, nope. particularly when doing so financially benefits the person who, whose stance or, or are directly Absolutely. opposed. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. The big example mm-hmm. that I that I commonly find myself in discussion with about this is Orson Scott Card. Orson Scott Card is a terrible, horrible human being. I feel no qualms about making that statement. Mm-hmm. He actively he actively donates money to anti LGBTQ organizations. He actively espouses anti anti LGBTQ and anti inclusivity uh, policies and theories and and uh, and, and beliefs and things like that. He is a terrible, horrible human being. Right. That said, Inder's Game is one of my favorite science fiction, science fantasy novels, uh, and was a very, very important book for me growing up. Um, so I understand... People who don't want to read Ender's Game or don't want to buy a copy of Ender's Game because that money will go to a person who will then send it off to, you know, gay correction therapy and shit like that. Um, mm-hmm. That is a very understandable thing. That is a very reasonable thing to not want to do. And in fact, I encourage anyone who... Interested, potentially reading in this game, get a used copy or pick it up from the library. Support your local library and, and you know check it out there rather than buying it and giving him money. Yes, fair. Um, but and, that, for... and, and 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 that is also a way that I personally reconcile dealing with that kind of content
3: mm-hmm. by
0: consuming it in a way where I still get the experience of having this content without supporting the things that I, don't, that I don't approve of, or I don't appreciate, or I don't, I don't believe in, in the content. Yeah. Watching movies on Netflix, you know, renting them from a was going to say a blockbuster, but those don't exist anymore. Uh, renting them red from, box. A, from a Redbox. Or yep. borrowing them from a friend that already bought it. Or, uh, you know, doing... Uh, there are any number of ways to still partake in this sort of content Correct. without supporting financially the person that you don't want to
2: yep and there are a lot of there are a lot of interesting aspects to this to to this like this could be an entire series yeah oh yeah all on its own because i think you know there there there's personally for me it's a lot easier with a novel than it is for like an actor because yes we're we're we are we are we are Reading literally the what's coming out of the author's mind, but we're not seeing his face on the screen constantly. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. and it's challenging to me because I mean, this is what I do. I I I, I review, I review and and analyze film and television as a rule, and uh, like for my job. Um, yeah. And so it's really difficult for me to say, uh, you know, I'm sorry, I'm not going to watch the new Polanski movie. Not that he's done a new one, but you know what I mean. Or Hmm. the new, uh, I'm not going to watch uh, Billionaire Boys, which is a movie that Kevin Spacey was released recently with Kevin Spacey that absolutely bombed. But you know, I I wonder why. Right. Well, there are a lot of reasons why. But Mm -hmm. that would that that was a small part of it. I'm not gonna. I'm sure. Um, But if I'm going into it now, I'm going into it critically. I have to acknowledge that I'm not going into it determined to hate it because X person is in it or X person directed it or wrote it or whatever. So that sort of makes it, I think, a little bit easier for me. Um, and when it comes to, you know, it's 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 not perfect. I mean, there are there are some things that I have difficulty. Watch. It's tough for me to watch Kevin Spacey stuff at this point, like stuff that mm-hmm. I used to really like. Um, because of, because of everything that came out about him. Um, it's, uh, I, I actually, no, I still enjoy Firefly fully, but that's because I don't think we're ever supposed to like Jane.
0: Yeah. When, that yeah. But that in particular one, Adam Bald, Adam Baldwin, an asshole and Jane. Yeah. An asshole. <laughs>
2: but it, mm-hmm. by that same token. I understand people that don't wanna watch Buffy or Firefly or Dollhouse or Angel anymore because of some stuff that came out not to the level of most of the Me Too stuff, but some stuff that came out that, that Joss Whedon's ex wife had said about him having affairs with actresses on on the set of Buffy, which there's a power a power imbalance issue stuff there
3: mm-hmm. and, yeah. and
2: think. I get why people have issues with them. Hmm. um, And I, I think it's something that has to fall on everybody individually. And uh, it's okay to still enjoy this stuff. It's okay to enjoy stuff that is textually problematic. Yeah. You recognize that it's problematic, but it's still okay to like those things.
0: Yeah. Um, I, 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 I've said it publicly before. I really like... I have... I really like service anime, mm-hmm. which is super problematic. Yes. In- inherently, for a lot of reasons. But I still watch a lot of it, and I still enjoy it, even though I know it's not necessarily the best. Joy.
2: I mean, I like stuff from... I like films from the 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s. Oh, yeah. And there with rare occasion there is not a uh, a non-problematic movie among them in some way
1: oh yeah no i was i was raised like i literally would not be doing this podcast with you guys if it wasn't for my dad raising me on hollywood silver screen stuff
2: i mean breakfast at tiffany's right oh god
1: yeah no (laughs) i mean Yellow face Oh God, Mickey <laughs> Rooney! What the fuck were you thinking? Right, <laughs> right. You know, and you know, like yeah, the 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 rampant native uh, anti Native Americanism of the westerns from mm-hmm. the era, things like that. You know, um, and yeah, there's there's hugely the, difficult the, things the, to
0: the, the mm-hmm. entirely racist caricatureish way of in movies like and movies like godfather
1: and yep. yeah yeah and it's like yeah there's there are, our media has never been flawless i doubt it ever will be um you know in terms of i mean like you know i like watching marvel movies despite some of the weird shit scarlett johansson's gotten up to as far as you know whitewashing and shit, you know? And it's like, right? at every era, there are valuable works of creation that are flawed by the flaws of the people who make them. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, like you say, Jeremy, I, I tend to take it on a very individualized basis. I tend to even take it work by work not just necessarily oh well I know that you know John Wayne kind of fucked over everybody he worked with for the most part because he was on the the right wing politics looking at you Ronald Reagan you know things like that um where but it's argues with the so (laughs)
3: um
1: and but the idea that you have to look at these and say all right but is there still value to these things? And I think frequently the answer is yes. Maybe not as much value as could be ideally drawn from them had the people uh, involved in their creation taken the time to really think critically about the sort of perspectives that had been either accumulated or baked into them endemically from their culture, but but there is still value.
2: Yeah. And I think for me, I think the key thing is you know, you have to make the decision for yourself where your comfort zone is and make sure that you are making it for yourself and not for everybody you know
1: oh yeah no absolutely if somebody comes to me and says errol flynn was a horrible womanizer and disrespected pretty much every female that he ever worked with and definitely took advantage of his star status in order to get laid a lot through hollywood i'll say yeah and if that makes you not want to watch his movies that's
3: perfectly that's legitimate yeah right
1: mm-hmm.
2: just yeah mm. like j- <clears throat> Don't go, don't tell people they are terrible people because they decide to still watch. They they decide they still like usual stuff. Yeah. Don't
0: don't right. get on mm-hmm. my don't get on my case for reading Ender's and having. It. Yeah. Exactly. Right.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: It was an important. It's, it is an important book. Right. Uh, exactly. To a lot of people.
1: On the other hand, if take... somebody gets on your case, be willing to sit down and try and have a civil discussion with
2: them. Yes. Don't just. Yeah. I mean that's. That's Wheaton's rule.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't be a dick. Right. <laughs> Don't be a dick. Yep. Goes in multiple directions. Oh yeah. Yep. As they often do. Um...
2: Oh God, we're not doing this. <laughs> Speaking of Wheaton's rule, now let's talk about Chris Hard No, I'm kidding.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: I mean, I was I was making the other I, side I, to the I, Tiberius I, question. I was though. making a Batman reference.
2: Okay. I'm aware.
0: Okay.
1: The practice. other I would say the other side to the Tiberius question though is from the more narrative analysis rather than the ethical analysis. Man. Um I think we have a very good example here of writing a character out of an ongoing story yes without just killing them. Killing them is easy, killing them is dramatic, killing them can be very satisfying and fun. But this is an exit not a fatality and i think it's handled fairly well
0: yes i'd say something about my way of
1: writing characters
0: out of narratives jack
1: no you've written several characters out of narratives without killing them like all those three
0: <laughs> as far as you're aware.
2: i was gonna say um
3: <laughs>
2: i will never forget and it doesn't bother me at this point, but it did tweak me initially at the time. I think I've mentioned this before. When I first found, when you first described Narali coming back, and I was like, oh, come on, dude. <laughs> it was
0: a purpose to that. There was a purpose.
2: I know. And that's why, like, that was the initial emotional reaction, and then the, okay, no, I get why that makes, that makes thematic sense. Mm hmm. Like,
0: <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, 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 I tried. I try to only do that when there is a narrative purpose yes, behind it.
2: Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I'm just giving mm-hmm. you a hard time over it because <laughs> it was funny to me.
0: Yeah. Um. No, no, I, I, agree. This is a, this, at the very least, at this point in time, this is a good way of of writing out Tiberius, uh, to to mm-hmm. to, to clarify. Uh, after getting back to after getting back to in Tiberia, gathering stuff up in his arcane laboratory keep, and basically uh just tells them that uh he spent the last few weeks in Tonia trying to reinforcements for them only his father um, uh, had intended to go out to Whitestone but were successful and uh could have spent the time that they spent in Whitestone after that after the success six- Briarwoods reflecting on his own personal mission and his role as a diplomat fall to the wayside and his personal personal mission artifacts had grown stagnant and that he had a he had a lot of things left that
3: he needed to do hanging around Vox Machina. Um and so, said his goodbyes, headed uh, away. Yep, um, which was a really good way. It,
2: it's it is because that's something that can always be tricky. If you if you have a reason to write a character, or if you have a sudden need to write a character out for whatever reason, you're in a book, and they just. It's a character that you don't see fitting the story anymore. You need to go. Mm-hmm. Or if you are writing a, if you are the 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 showrunner on a television series, this has happened more than once. And an actor is fired for some reason or dies or something like that. Mm-hmm. It can be really tricky to write them out in a way that makes sense. A lot of times as a as a reader, you or a reader or a viewer a, a consumer, you just kind of have to say okay, I get it. They were they were kind of in a rough spot. Right. This one really really worked.
1: Mhm. This one this one worked really well. Um I think the the best example that I'm aware of is Babylon 5 in terms of helping characters exit in a, in a way that does not disrupt the narrative. Cause mm-hmm. over the course of, cause Babylon five had how many seasons? Seven, I want to say a uh, good number. Right. Yeah. Seven, had, eight. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and through that you see like key characters who have central roles um, in, in the narrative just fairly suddenly for real life circumstances that are actually affecting the actors, not Mm -hmm. ones that were pre-planned as part of a, as part of an overarching season arc or something like that, just have to bail on the show. And Straczynski writes them out very, very smoothly. Yep. Um, And yeah, if anybody wants to, to, to get a masterclass on how do I drop people off at places that make sense in as my narrative keeps, keeps blitzing down the highway at 65 <laughs> miles an hour. Babylon five is one of the best places I think you could look at for, for good examples of that. sort yeah. of
0: thing. Conversely.
2: I think one that handled it, it's a perfect textbook example because there is an example where it was handled brilliantly. And then there are examples in the same show where it was handled really, really poorly. Was Charmed. Charmed had a. <laughs> a I don't know if ever, anybody. The, those who are. I know at least one person listens was to saying, this. It was a, it was at least finish.
0: one person that listens to this <laughs> will know what and
2: you're I'm talking not, about. And I'm not kowtowing here. I just. This is the one that always comes to mind because it has those two examples. There was after uh, season three. <laughs> shannon doherty left the show and she was one of the three core sisters mm-hmm. one of the three leads of the show and so what they did is they kill off her character and then introduce a a, a half sister character in the form of rose mcgowan's page and that worked well it's very soap opera-esque worked pretty seamlessly
1: right partially um, because of the the nature of what type of show it was and the sort of yeah. feel and theme of the And the, the way entire, that they
2: yeah, wrote right. the way that they wrote page in worked really well. Mm-hmm. Now in the later seasons of the show um I don't I believe it was still the WB at that time it wasn't the CW until after Charmed was off the air but the network started forcing severe budget cuts and so they started having to <clears throat> cut actors or pair actors down significantly. And that led to certain characters being written out, certain characters having very, very, the one that comes to mind is, um, I don't remember the, 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 the actor's name, but the character is Leo, uh, their white lighter just sort of i mean there's reasons for it like like in the show but it seems like it makes very little sense that all of a sudden he's sort of shoved out in a sort of ham-fisted ways and he still appears every now and then but it like those are times where it was done very very poorly and i feel like it was probably because of the writer Writers not really having time to sort of sort of work it in. And you can only make that magic work so many times on a show. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were other characters that, that that were that way towards the end, too. Uh, 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 one of the kids. Um, but that was an example of times it works really well and times that it does not at all even a little bit work. Mm
3: hmm.
0: The um, the the anyone who knows me knows I have a unhealthy love of shitty police procedurals. Um. Yep.
1: <laughs> yep, we know.
0: And the one that, the ones that I always think of when I think about how to not write somebody out of a show, and also on occasion how to write somebody out of a show, because it's another one of those that has uh the, the both a good and a bad of it. NCIS. NCIS has a problem. And that problem is that a strong, fe- a strong independent female character cannot last more than about five seasons before dying horror. Um, <laughs> Legit. Uh, I, although one only lasted two seasons, I think. But, um, I mean, I
2: would argue that NCIS's biggest problem is that it's a procedural. But... I mean,
0: there's, the, go on. there's that too. <laughs> um, like I said, I love me some shitty procedural uh, right. shows. Um, uh, uh, the the two that come to mind—they're two of two very important characters, main characters to the show—get written off at two separate points. Both be a gunshot wound. Um, a really straight to the point way of writing somebody out. Um, Mm -hmm.
1: dropping down an elevator shaft, man.
0: One of them dies. Uh, gets replaced the next season. And there is one to two episodes of mourning before she is forgotten about and occasionally referenced. No character growth is maintained from the survivors. Her death has little to no real consequence other than an excuse to bring in another strong female character to replace her. That is a bad way to write somebody out. Whenever, whenever, at least when I do, when I write out a character is going to die... There is a purpose to it, and that purpose has, has to do with the characters who are left. Um, mm-hmm. As an example, to follow Grand, our Grand Terror Rebirth games, uh, we, we had a player who was wanting to swap out a character, and I... Hey, okay, I'll take the character and get rid of them. Uh, are you okay with the character dying? Yeah, I'm okay with that. Alright, cool. Because this character had grown particularly close to one of our other player characters. Yeah, uh, and it was a really good way to a show that this particular villain is not fucking around is not wasting time while you guys dawdle and b to motivate the party via this one character. Yeah. And that and that had a lasting impact. Granted in tabletop that that has more to do with the player than it does with me as the GM having a lasting impact, but when you're whenever you're writing, if you if you have to write somebody off and you like the narrative calls for them to die, death has an impact on mm-hmm. people. And 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 not to give you an example, I when I used to clean carpets for a living, I saw a man drown a rat in a bucket. And I went home and cried my eyes out for about an hour after that.
2: I'm sorry, John, you can't just bring that
3: on me. (laughs) (laughs) This is a...
0: This is is a random man I didn't know uh, who was the customer at the time drowning a rat to whom I had no connection. And it made me cry for like two hours. That's the thing is, I swear I'm not laughing because it's funny. No, no, I know, I know, it's just random. It came out of nowhere. I'm really good at that. Um... So if, if, a, oh. if my point there being, if this random fucking rat can just wreck me for two hours, right? a close friend and character whom we've come to know over the course of 16 to 24 episodes should have more impact than two episodes. Yes. Mm-hmm.
2: And I just want to give one more, sh- uh, one shout out to, hands down. In my mind, in terms of genre television, the absolute worst writing out of a character I have ever seen. As much as this is one of my absolute favorite shows, Angel Cordelia.
1: Season yep. four. Oh God, don't eat man, friggin' food. I don't know what happened, so please I'm, elaborate. I'm still I'm still right on the edge oh. of just riot, rioting over that one.
2: Oh, oh okay. Well, so Charisma Carpenter became... Well, you you have to start with Buffy.
1: Honestly, you have to start with Buffy if you're going to describe Cordy.
2: I mean, well, I I wasn't going to go, like, super in detail on the character. Okay, okay, Um, I was just going to go into the circumstances. Basically, Cordelia, Cordelia Chase is a character who started off as very much the popular preppy bitch girl. And over the course of... Buffy, Cordillera. kind of, but particularly Angel became one of the most one of the most fascinating, deep characters on the show. Um, Charisma Carpenter, if I'm remembering my history well enough, it's been a while, but there was a reason to write her out, and I believe it was because she was pregnant mm-hmm. for a while,
0: and so you tend to be pregnant for a while, yeah.
2: I mean, I write her out for a while because (laughs) she was pregnant. So I don't know what Joss Whedon was going through. Well, it's not necessarily Joss because I believe Whedon was in the process of doing Firefly at this point.
1: Yeah, no, I don't think, yeah.
2: Because it went, Angel Angel was being run by, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. was being run by, I want to say David Greenwald or someone like that. I believe at the Um, time, yeah. But I don't know what was going through whoever was showrunner's head.
3: Oh, oh, wait, wait,
2: I've got it right here. Jeffrey Bell. Uh, I don't know what the fuck was going through his head at that point. But Cordelia, I'm going to put this in the shortest explanation I can. Because this is like X-Men continuity level of confusion. (laughs) Yes, it is. So ends up because she got possessed by this... Demonic Entity
3: um, uh, ends up uh, um,
2: seducing and sleeping with Angel's son who has been sent, who has been mystically, basically went to a hell dimension, came back, was much older, was but was still like old teen young adult at the absolute oldest and this was somebody that she basically raised as a raised as a baby um seducing and sleeping with getting pregnant with and then giving birth to the entity that possessed her it was psychotic it was the most insane like ridiculous stupid storyline and it was the biggest waste i have ever seen of a talented actress in, I cannot think of her name at the moment, but on Firefly, she is, um... Zoe. Or, mm-hmm. Zoe, yes.
1: Um, Gina Torres. Mm-hmm.
2: Gina Torres. Who played the birthed child. Demon demon
1: thing,
3: right? The demon thing.
2: <laughs> huh. Um... And it just, it made absolutely no sense. Uh, there, They've never, the, it's never been definitively said one way or the other, but there was a lot of rumor at the time that the reason that Cordelia never really came back, except for one episode in which, because after that whole thing is resolved, she's left in a coma. There was one episode in season... Early season five, I think, I or maybe th- season four. I don't remember um, where no, season four
1: was Jasmine's season. Gina Taurus season, season four so was yeah. Jasmine for sure. Yeah, it would have been it would have been part of season five, I think.
2: Um... OK, then. Yeah. No, yeah. Was sometime in season five where she came back literally just to die.
3: Mm hmm.
2: And have, like, one or two scenes to wrap up her care. All right. Um, and there's a rumor that that was because Charisma Carpenter didn't want to come back because she was so pissed with what happened with her character. And I would not blame her if that was the case.
0: Nope. So Tiberius leaves. <laughs> 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 Always got to be one of those. Yes. <laughs> um. So Tiberius leaves, and uh, Scanlon and Grog talk about stealing his shit uh, or seeing if he left anything for the group. Uh, when suddenly, like a dog who hears a car door closing in the distance, Grog realizes his purpose, in which is to go let the guy that they have in their prison cell. That they've suddenly
3: remembered. Yep.
0: Um yeah, they go find they go find Desmond, who is their captain. He's fine. They release him. He leaves. I don't remember what happens to him after that. I don't know that it matters.
1: Uh, yeah. Desmond? Desmond yeah. goes Desmond has an audience with uh Oh, yeah, yes, Uriel, he and then
0: goes back to Whitestone. And, mm-hmm. White and then we never hear yeah, from him mm-hmm.
1: again. We might hear from him again, but yeah, it's minor, if anything.
0: I don't remember ever hearing from him again, so... There's a lot of fuss about this kid. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, there is an audience with the Sovereign, with uh, with Uriel Tadori coming up after this. Yep. Mm-hmm. They basically just wants to know what the fuck just happened because I am no longer mind controlled.
1: Yeah. Um, but yeah, and they tie up some of the, the loose ends, you know, they, they do. This is a lot of continuity wrap up yeah. uh, yes. in this episode, which, which I value, especially for something like, like a tabletop game. Um, but, you know, leaving questions hanging can be good, can be interesting, can be a draw. But if it comes across as lazy, you lose your audience. Right. Um, you know, I mean you can you can build entire narratives on just leaving questions hanging. Hello, lost. Um stop
0: calling <laughs> me out, Jack.
2: <laughs> you can build entire narratives on that. Hello lost until you lost the, the Right. The, you lost lost control of your plot threads. Right. But,
1: yeah. Right. Um but for and your things audience right but for things where that's not the the primary conceit of the, of the narrative episodes like this where all of those things that were sort of open ended tension aspects when they left Amon... on now get resolved Um, and it's helpful to to have those done especially if like now you can sort of tell by the rhythm of the story as it's proceeding we're getting ready to start a new arc whatever that arc might be Um, and it's there's there's a there's a fine balance to play of it's i find it very compelling when storytelling the arcs aren't separate the things that happen in the arc of season one and season two are still informing and referenced because they are the history of these characters in season three and season four uh, as shows go on. Um, But some level of resolution I think is important, especially even just for the audience's behalf um, to say, you know, yeah, no, these things that, were left open ended and and that we use to inject tension into this narrative those have been resolved because we want you to start caring about other things now right and that's there's a lot of that especially in this audience uh sequence
0: yeah uh, and pretty much the emperor apologizes for being mind controlled reinstates uh fox machina as uh, uh when their position the council on the iman council gives desmond some gold Tells him, thanks him, and tells him to head off. Parsi proclaims the door and asks Muriel if they could uh, install Grey Skull Keep as an embassy uh, for Whitestone, giving them now, giving Vox Machina now their own land where their own laws apply, which is a really bad idea for player characters. (laughs) Um,
2: I think it is a stellar idea.
1: Yeah, just don't go in that fucking embassy. I have
2: no other comment. And I think that's idea.
0: It's, as someone who has GM'd for people before, that's a bad idea.
2: <laughs> it's a, no, that's a great idea.
0: Congratulations, you now have your own embassy. Yep. Good. I murder fuck so half we've the got population got in my own property.
2: Diplomatic immunity. immunity. <laughs> <laughs> Not how that
0: works. Wait, I need you to just, I need you to explain what murder fuck is. Oh, you'll see. Anyways. <laughs> I mean, no.
2: Oh, that I will say. That is not necessarily the best storyline for D&D campaigns. That is abject absolutely the best storyline for World of Darkness games.
0: <laughs> yes it is. <laughs> you're
2: the head of an embassy. You are the head of your uh, you're the head of a shantry or I was gonna say you're the head small of a domain. chantry yes, or a you know small portion of the city or you know this minor node in you know that's attached to a cairn that you are responsible for you set the laws for. See, at least Cairns are
1: slightly self-regulating. Yeah. Like, if you fuck with them, they just shut down, and then you don't have them anymore. Yeah, Chantry's not so much. There is, no.
0: a, there is a lovely... There's also, in this in this whole interaction, there's a lovely interaction between Percy and Desmond, whom I will remind the audience, Percy shot Desmond's hand off. Yep. Uh, and then burnt the hole. Uh, yep. Uh colorized it with the barrel. Where, He's going
2: through a rough time.
0: I mean, Percy basically says, you know, I owe you a debt larger than coin. Uh, and uh, if you if you want to think of how what sort of trade you might want to spend your next few years pursuing, to which Vex replies probably not loot playing. <laughs> Just saying because Vex is savage. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Um, but then the sort of last thread, I think, that's left here is the uh, the Briarwoods' initial connection in Amon, an individual yep. by the name of Riscaldexio, yep. who has to be taken care of.
0: And, you know... Letters that Vox Machina found in Whitestone revealed that... Uh, on Briarwoods. I'm just going to say... I don't think
2: Riskaldexio gets enough get, gets enough love as a villain. I mean he's not a briarwood. He's not a um Kavarn or a uh a uh, um Mindflayer. Uh Clarence Clarota Cl- Or one of several characters, that several villains that will instantly overshadow all those names that I just mentioned (laughs) in a short time. But I really, really like the sort of, you know, slimy, underhanded spy traitor character. These characters I really enjoy. And Mm -hmm. Riscoll was this guy, like, nobody ever mentions him. And I think that's unfortunate.
3: No.
1: No, Riscoll is the guy who's played on one episode at the end of the season by, like, fucking Mark Shepard or somebody. Right. Knocks it the fuck out of the park. But as far as the overarching myth arc sort of arrangement of the show is concerned, was more or less a blip on the radar. Yes. I picked Mark Shepard because his lawyer for Gaius Baltar in Battlestar Galactica was just brilliant.
2: I mean, is there anything that Mark Shepard is (laughs) not brilliant in?
0: And fair. Now, Riscal Daxio Daxio was the architect that designed and built Grace.
3: Yeah. Uh, I bring Uh, Uriel tells the group Daxio.
0: sorry, tells his guard, tells his guards that Caesar Dax inquires about Fort Daxio. Those were Rixel father, Michael, uh, spelled not like Michael, uh, is in command. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's, it's spelled like Mikhail. And I don't know if it's pronounced Mikhail. Is it pronounced Mikhail anyway. or Michael? <clears throat> anyway. Mr. M Daxio, M Daxio Esquire. Senior, uh, <laughs> Dad 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 CEO, uh is uh, Uriel basically <laughs> says he's going to look into him if he's all compromised, oh, right? Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: because if there's one thing that you can count on players to do, it's give them a very clear threat. They will make it much bigger and further reaching than it
0: actually is. It's brilliant. Yep. Yeah, uh, and. Also, leave it to players to remember, you know, wait, Daxio, Daxio. There's a Fort Daxio.
1: Yes, there is.
0: And that seed. Anyways, uh, they begin to search for Riskal. They, 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 the guards go to Riskal's room and begin to round. Um. The Vox Machina follows in behind the guards to investigate because, you know, obviously guards can't be good at investigating anything, right?
1: Oh, don't even get me fucking started on that bullshit.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Guards can't ever do anything right. It's up to adventure. Come in and And, and, responsibility. Yep. Yep.
1: <clears throat> if there's a professional law enforcement organization in any given city, they are always at least 20 to 25 percent more incompetent at the job that they are actually trained and paid to do than these random chuckle fucks that wandered in looking for a place to sell their cursed skulls.
2: We just recently <laughs> had that come up in a game. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? You, you don't okay. think I'm
1: salty about it, do you, Jeremy? It's
2: okay. It's okay. I'm an adventurer. I'm an adventurer.
0: <laughs> which was actually said in a town which has <laughs> Un- an adventurer's ironically. guild. Uh, well, I'll come back next week when we begin a Grand Terror Rebirth rewatch podcast. <laughs>
1: We can't do the rewatch, we're still playing the fucking game.
0: Okay, as so long as we do one a week, or one every other week, we'll be fine. We'll never catch yeah. up to ourselves. <clears throat> Anyways.
1: Anyway, uh, uh, we're looking for Risco Daxi. So they
0: now. go, they, they basically, they, they, they the, the Fox Machina follows behind the guards, uh, investigating behind the guards. Yep. Um, they learn that the last time anyone saw Risco was about three Half days ago, he packed his thing, sent it back in a month, and took the fuck off. Um uh, as they're in as they're investigating this frog who has acquired Craven Edge from previously repeatedly spoken to in the mind by Craven Edge, who tells him to just kill random people.
2: Surely that <laughs> won't turn out poorly.
0: I mean, if you think about it, though,
1: what is a sword designed for? Nobody designs a sword. Now I'm starting to get into the AR-15 question. Nobody designs a sword for hunting.
0: Um, <laughs> what if you did? And
1: then it wouldn't be a sword. That's what spears are for, sir. Anyway. Um, machete. Machetes are for cutting down plants, which is a form of hunting, I You're suppose. You're
0: the plant right indian in in a a realm where living plants try to eat you quite often
1: that's fair that's fair maslin versus the plants yeah um shetty
0: becomes a hunting
1: but regardless (laughs) i don't think maybe from a certain perspective but if a sword starts talking i feel like a sword would would primarily be interested in doing what it was designed for, which is killing people. I don't think this is terribly out of character or even should be necessarily considered terribly worrisome. <clears throat> Swords have a limited perspective. That's all I'm saying.
0: So, uh, in the hunt for Risco, Daxio, Keyleth has an idea Or first. Uh, wow! That's not fair. That's not fair. <laughs> Not inaccurate, but not fair. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> goes out into the courtyard and casts Commune with Nature. She asks Nature if Ryskel is anywhere in Iman, and it says yes. Then she asks where he is, and it tells her where. And then the, she tells the... Then she, uh, she asks uh, if there are any secret passageways in the city, and she learns that Yes, there are. A lot.
2: There are many.
0: All over the place. Only one goes to where Riscal is, but they're all over the place. On sharing this information with those of the party. Vax, revo- Vax reveals that, that, ta- that the place where Riscal is, Diamond a Tavern, um, is where he and Pike spent time with the Clasp. on. So they head to the Graveyard District, Riscoll Daxio, in the Diamond Nest. So I, 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 I highlighted that moment because I do find it funny. And this is, again, a thing that has come up in, in GTR a lot. When, in storytelling, when you set up a world in which divination is a known quantity, but never use it, Chekhov's crystal ball, shall we say. Right. Mm -hmm. why do you think that happens um the the the
2: short answer is that as a dm well personally as a dm and i don't know if this is it's not used by pcs because they're sort of used to this kind of mindset but not that I go out of my way to make to make divination stuff useless, because I don't. I think that that used correctly, and depending on who they're facing and that sort of thing, it, it, it's potentially very useful. But a lot of the time, by the time you hit that level of spell, the people that you're combating have ways to prevent the, the serious ones have ways to prevent being scryed on, or being mm-hmm. divine.
1: Non-detection and is totally a thing.
2: Non-detection or, or, or other such spells. Um, I mean, or they of have... that sort. If of thing. we're talking about specifically in D&D, a lot of high-level monsters have really ridiculous saving throws, and perhaps even advantage on saving throws against spells so that tends to factor in i think to some players decisions and also i mean there's always ways like if if you're trying to get information on somebody and you have reason to suspect that they have a they have non-detection going on in some form you think of the person that serves them they probably don't have non-detection, so you divine on them, and then you find out where they are, and you follow them, or you do something like that. So I don't know if it's just that they don't think beyond the initial <clears throat> divination, but the it, the general rule for me is that divination is a tool just like any surveillance tool in in in, in the world. Where, yeah, there's a lot of surveillance tools out there, but there are an equal number of anti-surveillance tools. Mm-hmm. So that's why you don't just use it all the time. Also, surveillance stuff is... Uh, scrine and divination and shit like that it can be spendy for startup cost.
0: I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking about it like from a writing perspective and the, the example that comes to mind for me is because I've been watching it recently, watching it recently. Naruto um, which is a show about super, super magical ninjas right. um, in the first like three or four episodes of the series uh, the leader of the village that the- lives in is shown to have a crystal ball that lets him watch the major goings on of the city specifically revolving around the main character. We see him use this a couple of different times for the first three or four episodes, and then that crystal ball vanishes into time and space and is never heard from or used again. Even though it would be really convenient later on in the story. And that, that's that's more the sort of thing I'm thinking about. It's in narratives where people... And maybe it's just because that makes it too... That makes the, you know, the story to or whatever um but i'm just curious about why that sort of thing happens a little more narrative out.
1: there's actually a term for that isn't there jeremy where like you know the the crew of the enterprise solves something and then three episodes later they basically have the same problem but for whatever reason can't use the solution they've already made up for this problem
2: i mean yeah there is i don't remember what it is but yeah. I mean, that, that happens all the time. It is it's um, a limitation
1: of writing staff and who's who's aware of what other episodes have been created. And yeah,
2: I mean, there are a lot of reasons. You see this happen on, yeah, on genre based television, serial television a lot. You see it happen in comics a lot. Um, and in comics, typically, yeah, it's that, you know, it's been a whole. I don't know, eight months, and they've been through three writers since then. Because that's how comics is these days. I'm not bitter. Um but but in all seriousness, it's been a certain amount of time. They've gone through a few writers. Those writers have not read what went what happened before and they forget to use it. There's also the simple matter of the writer, the writer or showrunner or author may be well aware of that, but they also realize that introducing this thing, they wrote themselves into a corner and in terms of limiting the kinds of things that they can throw out. And there are two things they can do. They can find, well, well, several things, but, but they can either destroy or limit the power of that option that they have or they can just pretend that it never existed. And to be honest, it's easier, lazier, but easier to do option two.
3: That's why. It's true. Hmm. Okay.
0: So, following this information, the group goes to the Diamond Nest Tavern, uh, where they meet a character from Scanlan's Pass. Doctor Dranzel, who mm. is totally not a reference to Doctor Dre,
2: totally is.
0: Totally is. Totally not. Um, yeah, they meet Doctor Dranzel, uh, who is apparently the leader of some sort of uh, some sort of uh, a band of traveling uh, musicians that Scanlan used to be a part of.
2: And for context here, to be fair, it is not just a, a a random pop culture reference that 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 Matt threw in. It is because Scanlan was based on Eminem.
0: Now, is that is that apocryphal? Yes,
2: that because is. I, no, well, that is an absolute. Sam has flat out said that.
0: Oh, he had. Okay, so it's not then. He has said
2: apocryphal. that when he was coming up with the idea for the character. I, th- that Eminem was sort of a big influence on sort of how yeah. he envisioned the character.
0: Yeah, because I've, I've heard people say that, and I've never actually heard Scanlan admit to it, or Scanlan, Sam, admit to it. So I wasn't right. sure if that was just something that the community at large had just assumed and decided, or if that was actually something...
2: No, no, I I don't remember where... But I am one hundred percent certain that he is—he is actively s- flat out set it.
0: Okay, yeah, we get uh, we get Scanlan, Kaylee. Uh, sorry, we we get, get uh, Doctor Drellin and Kaylee, two uh, people, as well as Kent Plucker. Yep. Um, are the, the three bards that we find in the Diamond Net? Uh, Doctor Drenzla, half orc violinist. Uh, Kent Plucker. I don't know if we ever get an. Description of who they are um, and Kaylee who is a female flutist flutist
3: it's flutist
2: hmm. um for the record it is in his geek and su- it is in the geek and su-
1: yeah, yeah su- I just <laughs> I just linked it in the discord chat
0: yep. <laughs> um does a Scalen do uh mm-hmm. And, the part, and and gets summarily dismissed by Kaylee. Uh, the party uh, 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 divulges Dr. Dranzel that Scanlan is a kingslayer. He's not actually, but they divulge that information. Right. It's, you have to be a king. You have to kill a king to be a kingslayer. Scanlan has not killed a king. Anyways, nope, not so much. Not yet. Uh, Dr. Transl asks asks the group to help him steal a fuck ton of money. They say no. I mean, to
2: be fair, in some fantasy settings, that's something you don't want to be because you get a lot of shit for it. And then eventually you lose your hand.
1: True. Because sometimes being the fastest gun in the West means that everybody wants to prove that they're faster. And that gets annoying.
2: And that's why you shouldn't fuck your sister.
1: That also that yep. among other reasons, Jeremy. In
0: in 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 <laughs> other in other settings, you also don't want to be a kingslayer because then that gets entire nations after you because you theoretically killed their king.
1: What I like is is the sort of I feel like most D D groups have a tipping point. There's As you increase in notoriety, assuming that you're not playing an evil-aligned campaign, generally there's more public perception of you. You are more easily recognizable, and therefore you start to obey the law more. Mm -hmm. And it's always funny to sort of see that tipping point of... You know, if we were still our level five selves and someone came to us instead, hey, can you help me steal a fuck ton of money out of some old dude's basement? We would have been all over that shit. But now we're level 11 and people actually know who we are and we have a reputation. And it's watching the values shift simply because of the power creep almost in a sense. I
2: mean, there's a lot of stuff in relation to that 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 I always find interesting. To me, it's always, I think, the key thing that that when I'm running stuff, I'm always looking for, because there always is that point. Except for the Eberron game. I don't think it's happened yet with that group. But there's always a point where the party is like, oh, we're actually at a level of power where we can... we actually have some influence and impact, and we don't have to be scared of everything out there. Mm-hmm. Like, that is a major character turning point for a lot of groups, and I always really enjoy seeing it. Um, they said, it hasn't happened in the uprun. Uh,
0: and I want to I make a clarification real quick. Uh, Scanlan accepts Dr. Dranzel's proposal. Everyone yes. else doesn't, and keeps asking him more questions about it. Yes. Because, you know, when a person, when a person asks you to help steal, them, steal a fuck ton of money, the first thing you do is give them 50 questions. Because that doesn't make you seem suspicious at all. <laughs> also, this is, this is another one of those things that... It's am- so, the, the explanation that they are given, by the way, is that... Look, guys, I don't know who this person is, but he's very wealthy, he's got a lot of gold in an abandoned building in the Cloudtop district. It's really hard to get into, it's been abandoned, there's nobody there, it's all boarded up, but there's a ton of fucking money there already.
1: Which sounds like the sort of thing that, you know, a bunch of middle schoolers tell each other at the beginning of a Stephen King novel, but okay.
0: Hmm. yeah, I I believe at some point um, I believe at some point, did they recognize this as a building they've already ransacked, or no? No,
1: I know, because no. they haven't.
0: They haven't yet. But yeah, so they're they 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 they're, they're fairly skeptical about about taking on this task, but they don't actually. Uh, while Scanlan agrees, they don't actually, uh, as a group, say one way or another whether whether no. Um. But, uh, Vax goes and talks to the bartender, uh, and using, uh, uh, the barkeep, and using Thieves' Cant confirms that Riskill is staying. So, passing the information on to the rest of the crew, Scanlan creates a diversion by challenging Kaylee to a flute duel, and almost the entirety of Vox Machina follows through the, follows, uh, Vax and down the, down the stairs to the basement. Pike grog and Trinket can't make it into the scene so they end up in an alleyway outside the inn causing a ruckus.
2: Um because bears
0: because they because they keep forgetting they have Trinket with them.
2: One of my favorite my favorite running jokes about the, in, in in
3: this campaign is
0: that they keep forgetting Trinket's with them. Yes. Mhm. Yeah, it is it is pretty funny. Rangers, keep track of your pets.
2: <laughs> Especially if they are
0: particularly large
2: pets like, that you shouldn't be able to just forget are there.
0: Like if, if, if Trinket was a wolf or a bird or something, I could understand. But Trinket's a bear.
2: Yeah. Like if Trinket's a ferret. You forget a you know, you you can easily forget oh yeah, the ferret's with us. Of course, you forget them until, you know, you get caught in dragon fire and then you remember them because you smell, you know... Like Kurt
3: the- Ferret. Yeah. But... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um,
0: so the, the, rest, the, the party that makes it into the base uh, yeah. makes their way down, find, uh, find their way into the tunnels of the clasp, uh, and eventually get, get sort of stopped by the clasp, by the actual organization themselves. Um, <laughs> fancy that
1: organized crime that actually tries to keep track of their territory.
0: Yeah, you know. right.
3: Um, they trick the clasp, letting them talk
0: to Risco or find Risco uh, by basically offering them a valuable gem and. Saying it's magic, and then realizing that they don't believe them when they say it's magic, but understanding that it probably still has some value in it, regardless uh and also because vaxes or remember yep uh, so they are led down a hall several stairs before
3: last holding stuff they peer
0: in and find peer into the cell and get attacked by Riscal Daxio with a large glaive because Matt really likes glaives um and they fight they eventually defeat Daxio and restrain him um and tie uh, him up and drag him back to Riscal Keep or no, they drag him back to the tavern the- yeah the tavern with the intention of taking him back to uh emperor uriel yep yes yeah. mm-hmm. and that's where they, that's and where they I,
2: can, I mean i can understand the grave the glaive love krull was a pretty solid
1: <laughs> um but yeah no we We're we, gonna gonna get to, uh, we get that again so
0: we could have a recording of it to send to your boss
2: Yes. No. Yes. I will stand beside. I will stand behind my appreciation of fucking *Crawl*. <laughs> I have no shame. Besides, I don't think. Uh, I don't think you remember that we have a guy who reviews B movies on regular I on mean, the call no, you, and gives them nine point five to ten ratings.
0: You have no shame. You like *Crawl*. <laughs> we are. We understand this implicitly in the statement. <laughs> it's a great movie. <laughs>
2: For fantasy in the nineteen eighties.
0: When you have to start adding qualifiers to it.
2: <laughs> I, I, I think you have to add qualifiers to Casablanca is a great movie. And it is my absolute favorite film of all time. The great yes. movie for the nineteen
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so that's where the episode ends. Them having captured Daxio after a lengthy fight. Well, not lengthy.
3: Pretty quick, really. I was really? gonna say, actually, yeah. No, well,
1: because because it's at some point it turns into I mean, even in D and D where where combat is weirdly mathematically balanced in flagrant disregard for the laws of reality. Um, at one point when it's four on one, it's, yeah, now, yeah.
0: Uh, I, or in this I, case,
1: I think like six on one. Yeah,
0: I do want to point out that they keep—they have a ball of infinite. It's twine. It's a ball of infinite twine, which they keep referring to as infinite rope. It's not rope. It's twine. I yeah, mean, once it,
2: it becomes infinite. infinite, does it matter? Yes.
1: It really doesn't, because you can just loop it. I was saying, you can you can, you can, you, you, can turn it into an, you can tow an ocean liner if you get an infinite amount of twine.
2: You braid that shit.
0: <laughs> what I'm saying is it takes time. It's not just something you yes. whip out and do.
1: <laughs> now if they had a ball of infinite animated twine, that would be even better. Hmm.
0: Uh, So yeah, that's the end of this episode. Um, yep. Mm-hmm. we're gonna be a little bit more loose as we go forward with more of this stuff. Just, just, just sort of vaguely sweeping over the the bullet points of the- mm-hmm. talking about making it more of a tangent cast than it already was.
2: And let us know if you're if you're if you're listening. How you? We're all for feedback.
0: Yes. yes we are give us, give us, give us some feedback Let's let know. us know
2: how the balance is etc yeah
0: next week will be better because next week we have made that decision more than five minutes ahead of time
3: uh-huh. <laughs> uh, you know that going
0: in alright well this has been Critical Thinking
3: John at Johnny Bates. Jack at Jeremy at right.
0: oh, me say goodbye everybody bye everybody see you later goodbye